And here's, here's the part that is starting to really hit me. God designed it, but then God also works through the gathering to affect our lives. Does that make sense? Let me say that again. God designed this idea of his believers coming together, the church, right? And God says, when that happens, I'm going to work in your life through the gathering. I think that's the part that a lot of believers don't realize. Which means to remove yourself from the gathering, what are you removing yourself from? God's work in your life. That's huge. All of a sudden, it's so much more than it's Sunday, I got to go to church. It's like, this is the attitude that I'm starting, even in my own heart. It's Sunday, I'm going to meet God. See the difference? Like God, in my process of sanctification, becoming more like Jesus, he says, part of how I'm going to do that is through the gathering, Ron. So you can stay home if you want. (laughs) It's kind of like, I'm going to make a 10-course meal. Here's the address. You can stay home if you want. I'm not bringing the meal here. (laughs) Right? And guys, I think this is partly of why just the church in general is being attacked. Because Satan knows if I can get God's people not to take the gathering seriously, guess what? He just disarms you. Spiritually. Guys, I'm telling you, this is something as I've been going, I said, man, there are so many verses about the church, which is God's design. And so that's why, you know, Pastor Emmanuel and I, our heartbeat is, and, 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 and if you remember, go all the way back, how, how did all this start? It all started with the Ezekiel passage, right? And the pastors and the shepherds and what their role is. Right. And so we did a a series on that. Right. The shepherds like who are the shepherds. And then that just naturally led into, okay, well, let's talk about the church. Right. I I mean, shepherds are non-existent if there's no church. Right. And then that just that's going to lead into, well, let's talk about the sheep. The people who make up the church. It's just a natural building. God's shepherds. To lead and guide his church. So we got to understand what that is. But who, who are we responsible for before God? The sheep. And so we're going to hit on, well, who are the sheep? Right? And I remember back when I was on staff at Faith, we were having a meeting with three of the other elders. And at that point, I think Faith was probably running four or 500 members. And I brought up this question at lunch because we were talking about programs that we're going to do and more of this and outreaches. And And I said, gentlemen, I have a question that I've been wrestling with. And they said, yeah, yeah, what is it, Ron? I need to know before God who are the sheep that I'm responsible for. And they just stopped and looked at me, and it was like, that's a really good question. I said, we got all these people coming and going, coming and going, coming and going. 
And the reason I asked that question, because that evening, or the, the night before, I had read that verse in Hebrews, I believe it is, where it talks about to, to shepherd the flock among you, but then he talks about that I have to watch and care for the souls of the sheep. You want that on your conscience? I live with that reality. Pastor Emmanuel lives with that reality. We're all going to be held accountable for different stuff, right? God's going to hold all of us accountable. But in our role as pastors, to know that God's going to say, I'm going to require an account, Ron, Emmanuel. I'm going to require an account of you, of how you watched and cared for the souls of my sheep. That's pressure. Which is why the Bible also says, don't be many teachers. <laughs> don't be lining up to become, I want to be a pastor. You might want to think about that. So with that reality that I'm going to be held accountable, Emmanuel's going to be held accountable for how we have shepherded the sheep. Next obvious question for me. Who are they, Lord? Who are they? That makes sense, right? If I'm going to be held accountable for you, I need to know who the sheep are. And everybody that necessarily walks into a church is not a sheep. Right? And so this, this series is just refreshing my mind and getting me laser focused. It's getting us focused on, number one, what is the church, what is the church supposed to be about? How did God design it? What is the purpose of it? Like, we have to be clear in our mind as leaders, right? But then it's going to trickle down, not only to you understanding this, but then when we get to the part of, so who are the sheep? And, and guys, listen, let me bring you into the, into the arena here. The same way he and I are going to be held accountable for how we watch and care for the souls of the sheep, you're going to be held accountable for how you interact with the other sheep in this church. So we all got to stink and come. <laughs> kind of like when we were growing up, right, Will? Eight kids, one get in trouble, and what we start doing, diming out the other one. My dad was, no, I told you, boy, not to. Uh, well, William, William took some, too. Oh, yeah? William, come here. <laughs> right? We started diming each other out. Well, Harold took one first. Right? We all, all eight of us, laying around crying, holding our legs. <laughs> but, guys, God's people, the church, it's God's design. And we all want to be playing out our roles the way God has said to do it. Amen? So I hope and pray that you'll keep your heart and mind open to these truths. Because where are we headed? I'm going to fast forward, right? As we get through this series, we're going to get all the way down here, way down here. Don't ask me how many messages. I don't know, right? <laughs> but at some point, we're going to get to this part where Pastor Emmanuel and I are going to meet with each and every one of you guys individually. 
individually and say, well, you know what our role is. You know what the church's role is. You know what the sheep's role is. What say you? Or what say you? I hate it. (laughs) What say you there, chap? (laughs) What say you, right? Because all of this preaching and teaching on this, it has to land somewhere practically. And we and 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 and, and I, I I love the fact that when I remember I guess it was probably last summer we were we were doing something together and and um, we were coming from uh, w- we were visiting somebody we were we were walking back to the car and and we were just like this is what ministry is about like in the lives of people sitting across from the table talking about where you at in your faith and I said man isn't it this is this is this is what I envision. And so many churches get away from that. It becomes about the big program and the lights and all of this. It's like, no, no, shepherd the flock, which means, which means we got to know you. I got to be like, yo, man, how you doing, man? What's going on? Uh, you know, I'm kind of a private person. Well, that's not an option biblically. I'm sorry. <laughs> you, you ever hear people say that? Remember Sister Harris? God bless her heart. She's dead and gone now. Our old church, I'm going way back now, over almost, I don't know how many years, Westside Baptist Church. Sister Harris, every time, Sister Harris, how was the message today? Oh, it was fine, it was fine. Anything I can pray for? No, 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 let me stop you right there, sir. Let me, my, my faith is between me and the Lord. Remember, I, you couldn't get into her. That's unbiblical. And I know some of the reasons that I hear why that transparency, that vulnerability is not there. Because people have been hurt, talked about. Their stuff has been incorporated in sermons. I get it, man. I get it. There's hypocrisy. There's all kinds of stuff. But that does not mean that we can't do church the way God designed it. Because he's going to hold us accountable. And God is not going to take the excuse, well, you know, Lord, you just gave me that kind of temperament. I'm just like a quiet person. That ain't going to fly. It's not going to fly. I'm sorry. It's just not. This is what I'm realizing. Like, Lord, what you've laid out for your church, this is not like a menu, like it's an option, pick and choose which one you want to do. That's not what it is. God designed it a certain way in our heart for you guys. We want to be the church of God, the way God designed it. We're not concerned about numbers. I could care less about numbers. I just want to know who the sheep are. (laughs) Right? And quite frankly, the smaller the number of sheep, the easier my job. So I'm not into this mega church stuff, you know, and that's why, again, in all sincerity, when I sat there with the elders and we're sitting there over 400 plus members, I said, who am I accountable? I can't be. Am I accountable for all 400 of those people? I can't. When I look at what the shepherd's job is, I can't do that. That's why personally, and then um, we'll, we'll get into it. I believe that as a church, if it does grow, because God is drawing people and we know, and there's nothing wrong with numbers. Don't please don't don't misunderstand me. Jesus said, "I will build my church." That infers growth, okay? But we don't want growth just for numbers' sake. 
sheep leaving other flock to come here. New person comes in. This is why we don't meet, but every individual. Hey, how you doing? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I notice you come every now and then. I used to do this at faith, and I said, well, well, yeah, I kind of like this, and then I also go here, and then I kind of I go over to Pastor So-and-So's church, and I said, okay, well, you a lost sheep. Where's your flock, bro? You need to make a commitment someplace, right? This is God's design. We want to shepherd the way God has called us to shepherd you all. But we need to make sure that we all understand what God's design is for the church. Father, I pray for all of us. God, we need your wisdom. God, this gathering, even today, this is something you've designed. This is what pleases is you. God, it pleases you that your people gather together in your name and worship you, Father, and serve and love one another. Father, we want to be the church that you've called us to be. So I pray, God, that you would open up our eyes and our understanding as we continue through this series. We thank you in Christ's name. Amen. So the church in the New Testament. What what was the church in the New Testament? It was a community of true believers who regularly worship together. What's the key word there? Regularly. <laughs> Not just Easter and uh, what's the other holiday they come? Uh, Christ- Christmas. <laughs> I forgot the holiday. Wow. And, and for what purpose? Grow in the knowledge of Christ, right? Together, love one another, and proclaim Jesus Christ. This is what the New Testament church did. And we ought to be doing the same thing, right? So, ultimately, the church is God's design and belongs to Jesus. That's huge. It's got this idea of gathering. This is not an American Christianity thing they came up with. This is something God instilled. This is something God commands his believers to do. And notice the church belongs to Jesus. That'll become clear in a little bit. Praise the Lord. This is not Pastor Emmanuel's church. This is not Pastor Ron's church. Does that make sense? I thought thought this was y'all. No, I thought y'all were co-pastoring. Yeah, we co-shepherding. But this is your church. No, it's not our church. This church belongs to Jesus. There's a difference. You understand what I'm saying? Jesus died for the church, not us. We are now shepherding his people that he died for. And again, if we don't understand that, we're going to get off when it comes to understanding the purpose of the church. Amen? Let's keep going. So we're going to be looking at a lot of different scripture. The thing about when when you do a topical message, you know, there's scriptures that that hit on this in all different books. And obviously we we don't have the time in this format to unpack every single verse. This series would go on for about five years. But I want you to get the impression, the essence of, okay, wow. Yes, I see that the church is God's. Jesus is the one who died for it. And they were a gathering, and it's something 
that is vital to my Christian walk. Amen? So look at Ephesians 5.25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And what did he do? Gave himself up for her. Belongs to Jesus Christ. You would have no church if you had no death of Christ and resurrection. When Jesus died on the cross, he died on the cross for those whom he knew the Father would give his sheep. This idea of the church has nothing to do with man. This is God's idea. He designed it. He gave the qualifications of who could be a part of it. Oh. Wait, I mean, I thought some anybody could just come and join the church. Eh, wrong answer. And there are many churches that have many, many people who attend the building but are not part of God's church. There's only one way to be part of God's church. You're blood bought. You're saved. You understand what I'm saying? So, so, well, wait a minute. I, I, I know a lot of people who just go to church because they, because you know, they're good moral people. Okay. They're not part of the church if they don't know Christ. They're part of the gathering. They're part of the true church as far as being there, but they're not in the church. This is why. Listen, and and, and this is the, the reason I'm emphasizing the, these things. Because, again, remember, all theology has practical outworking, right? All theology, you always have to ask yourself, okay, I understand the, the, the theology you're giving me. Now you always have to answer that question, so what? There has to be some practical application to it. Let me give you something really practical right now in light of what I just said. Pastor Manuel and I are not interested in bells and whistles to draw the world into here. Not interested in it. No fog machines. Right? No fancy videos that match the sermon. No fancy brochures that have our branding on it. Now, churches do this. Now, listen, please, hear, hear me. Am I saying every church that does that is wrong? No, no, I, I'm not saying that. Here's what I'm saying. If your motivation for doing that is to be attractional to the world, you don't understand God's church. Because Jesus said what? All that the Father draw will come to me. So are people not going to come to church because they don't like the branding? Are they going to say, I look at their logo. Man, I'm not feeling it, man. Let's go down the street. And so what churches do, they try to craft all of this stuff to draw people in. You go and talk to some of the pastors and some of the uh, the things that they're doing, they say, wait, so why are you doing that? Well, we just want to be, here's the word, relevant. We want to be relevant. I recently walked around a church where the pastor is doing a renovation. Okay. Well, nothing against renovations. We did renovations, right? We got new tiles. <laughs> right? <laughs> That's the extent of our, <laughs> our renovation. Put the old back. <laughs> I mean, there's, look, we could, we could look around here, and, and, and I guarantee you, and I'm not going to do it, 
I guarantee if I ask anybody got any opinions on what we could do different in here aesthetically, I guarantee you all going to have some ideas. Some of y'all probably come in, every time you see certain stuff, you cringe. Like, why do they have that there? Man, why is that fake plant over there? Right? Okay, I get it. So how much emphasis do you put on those kind of things, right? There's nothing wrong with having a, a sanctuary, a place of worship that's comfortable, that's heated, that's air-conditioned, sound system. Nothing wrong with that. But here's the danger. We can start thinking that those external things are going to cause an internal change an internal change. It's not going to happen. Are people going to receive the gospel and be more open to the truth of God because of the aesthetics of a building? No. But many pastors fall into that trap and they believe if we can just have the right environment, then the unbeliever will come in and it feels good. It's like, wow, this feels like a theater. Oh, coffee? Yeah, thank you. Oh, nice. Oh, look at the seats. I got a cup holder for my coffee. Nice. I'm waiting for the sanctuary to put recliners in. I know some church is going to do it. We're going to put in reclining chairs. Trying to make it all comfortable so that people, yeah, I mean, they fall asleep anyway, right? You might as well put them in, make them comfortable. But guys, it's, it's because we're not understanding. The church is a group of God's people that he called out. Those things are not bad, but those things don't cause internal change. So Pastor Emmanuel and I, we recognize that. So that drives how and what we do. Because we understand it's the preaching of God's word that changes and draws man to himself. Amen? Colossians 1.18 says, Speaking of Jesus, and he is the head of the body, the church. That's going to become very important in this series, that idea of a body. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. That in everything he might be what? Preeminent. The church is first and foremost about Jesus. Not not your well-being. Only got one amen on that one. <laughs> All of a sudden, you're like, wait, wait, what, what, what? Now, understand what I'm saying. The church is first and foremost about Jesus. Preeminent. It's about worshiping him as we gather. That's priority number one. Why? Because the church is his. Are you following the theology? As a result of coming together and worshiping him, we get fringe benefits. <laughs> but that's not the priority. The priority is him. But how can you worship him and not walk away with a benefit? Are you following me, guys? Let me give you some so what. Some of the so what now with that theology. Uh, I just don't feel like going to church today. I'm just not feeling it. Good. You're a perfect candidate to come to church. Because it's not about you. <laughs> you see? There's the so what of the theology. If I understand it's about him, 
It's not about how I feel. I had a rough week. Oh, I just, I just want to sleep in because it all starts again tomorrow morning. Anybody ever feel that way? Felt that way this morning. In my flesh, I felt that way this morning. I was gone all day yesterday speaking at a youth rally. And I'm like, oh, wow, I got to preach tomorrow. Should I text him now? He'll understand. I'm like, yo, bro, I just got back, man. My voice is all scratchy. Any way you could go ahead and just, you know, you could feel. And I know if I would have done that, you probably would have said yes. (laughs) I thought we had something, bro. (laughs) You need your rest too, right? But see, it's so easy, right? That's the flesh. We all have that struggle. And it wasn't because I wasn't ready to preach. It wasn't because I wasn't prepared to preach. I just, I'm tired. And then I had to remind myself of the theology of the church. Ron, the church ain't about you. It's not about you because you don't feel like going. It's not about you. It's about Jesus, who is the preeminent one. Is he worthy of your time to gather? And I was like, all right, let me get ready. (laughs) You see how the theology has to have practical application, where you have to be able to go against what you feel and walk in the truth of what God says. And then when I get here, guess what happens? It's like, oh, I was glad. When they said, let's come to the house of the Lord. Was I glad on 78 coming up? Not so much. But but when I got into the house of the Lord and you say, hey, how you doing, brother? Hey, what's up, man? How you doing? All of a sudden it's like, oh, I'm so glad I didn't sleep in. I'm so glad I didn't call out. That's that's what that's what that's the real world. That's what we're going to struggle with. All of us are going to struggle with that. But if I understand the preeminence of Jesus. This is about coming and worshiping him. That ought to be my motivation, not my feelings. Not even that all of the things I'm wrestling with are going to go away. They may. I believe God delivers, absolutely. But you may walk out with the same bag of problems. That's okay. But again, I go back to how I started this. But the gathering is where God gives strength and grace for the battle. Does that make sense? This is, if you will, the armory. When we gather every week, this is the armory. We come in like this. Yo, man, oh, what's up, man? Oh, man, how you doing, man? It was rough this week, dude. All right, look, look, let me charge you up, man. You got your Glock? All right, here's a couple more clips. Oh, here, we got this new one then. Try that. Oh, nice. That's a little laser thing on it. Okay. Oh, yeah, man, you got to have a little 22 for those. Okay, put that on your ankle. Okay. All right, you're like, all right, let's go. <laughs> and you go back out into the battle. I, I, I hope I didn't offend anybody. I, some of y'all might not like guns. I just thought about that. Okay. <laughs> Maybe I should have used something else. <laughs> this is a spiritual armor, armory. This is where we get encouraged, right? We get pumped up. We get pumped up about our faith because, man, you're going to go out there Monday morning, and from Monday to Saturday, you're going to get beat up. 
with your own demons you're fighting, with other people's sin bumping up against you, your sin bumping up against them, it gets weary. That's why I said, look, don't grow weary in well-doing, right? You, you got to keep going. You got. Paul says what? I press on. I keep pressing on. I keep pressing on. It's a battle. Christianity is hard. It's hard. I can't afford not to gather with the saints. I can't afford it. It's just I can't afford not to get in the word of God. It's not about legalism. Oh, did you do your devotion today? God help me if I don't do my devotion today. I know my attitude is just going to go just like that. I, I see it in my own life. But all the stuff I got to deal with as head of discipline at a school and this and parents and why did this and why did you expel my kid? And all, man, if I'm not in God's word early before that happens, I see the difference in me. When I can get up and spend some time just meditating in his psalms, and just God, give me your give me your wisdom. God, my trust is in you. My refuge is in you. I need your strength. When I walk in, and, it, and, it's, and it's funny because when I walk in and all that stuff happens, I'm in a different head frame. Sometimes I walk in 8 o'clock before the first bell. And oh, Pastor Ron, so-and-so's in your office. I'm like, do we have an appointment with him? No, but he said he's not leaving until he talks to you. And I'm like, okay, no problem. Let me get a cup of coffee. Offer him a cup of coffee. Oh, Pastor Ron, yeah, oh, Miss so-and-so's on the other line. She said, why didn't you call her back? Okay. I didn't know. I'll, I'll call her back about 8.30, but I got to teach. But I got I'm just, like, God's giving me strength and wisdom. Don't do your devotion. Uh, Pastor Ron, yeah. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. No, no, what, what, what? Oh, uh, so-and-so's in your office. Is he on my calendar? No, and he tell me, well, he said he ain't leaving. I said, well, I guess he'll be sitting there at 2.30. I'm a whole different person. I, I'm, I'm serious. Oh, oh Miss so-and-so's on the phone. She wants to know why, why didn't you call her back. Um, tell her because I'm on Tuesday's emails of last week. And the ladies and the secretaries are sitting there like, okay, you good, Pastor Ron? I'm good. You good? You good? Okay. All right, Jesus is Lord. All right. I'm a whole different guy. I'm a whole different guy. I'm not proud of it. I'm just being honest. And like the whole front office just like goes, they go quiet. And it's usually about third or fourth period, one of the secretaries walk in and say, um, Pastor Ron, would you like a coffee? And I'm like, no, I'm good. And then, and then the Holy Spirit's like, wow. From the day you hit or the time that you hit this building, you've been operating in the flesh. And it's your own fault because you didn't come apart and get spiritually armored up. You didn't do it. Right. <laughs> yes, I wish I could wake up, put my hand on the scripture. Mm, all right, I'm good. That would be awesome. Spiritual osmosis. Because God is interested in a relationship, not something mechanical. God is interested in us coming and sitting at his feet. And you know what that takes? It takes perseverance. It takes denying my flesh. It takes I'm going to come and speak with you. Amen? He's worthy of it. So this is a struggle we all have. But if we realize that this is about Jesus Christ, it ought to affect 
us coming together. We ought to be running to the house of the Lord. Matthew 16, 18, Jesus says, and I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build what? My church. And I got to keep reminding myself of that. We especially got to remind ourselves of that when we see stuff in leadership. And we're like, man, this is so weary. It's, it's like we're planting, 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 planting. Like, yo, man, you got any veggies yet? I ain't got nothing. What you got over there? I ain't got nothing, man. You know, it's just nothing but weeds coming up. And we're like, why are we doing this? Why are we doing this, right? Come on, we get discouraged. Y'all need to pray for us. Send us away on a little vacation in the Caribbean with our wives. That would help. Maybe not help. But, 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 but. And, and, and you know what we got to do? We got to remind ourselves, Jesus said, I'm going to build my, my church. And I got to realize this ain't my church. This ain't Emmanuel's church. We are nothing. I love what Paul says. We're nothing but slaves who've been giving management of God's people. All God calls us to do, be faithful. Declare my word. Rebuke, exhort, love my sheep. And get out of the way. Let me deal with the increase. Man, that keeps us in the game. Because in our flesh, oh, be so easy to say, what a waste of time. But if we understand the preeminence of Jesus, my love, his love for Jesus is what motivates us to do what we do, not numbers. Jesus says, I will build my church. And I, and I love this other, the end of the verse in light of the culture we live in. The gate of hell shall not prevail against it. I love that. Yes, it's dark out there, but they are not going to stop the building of God's church. That's what encourages my heart. People ask me sometimes, Pastor, don't you get discouraged about all that? Like, so one of the teens asked me this question. Uh, the middle school chapel, I speak in a middle school chapel, 6th, 7th, 8th grade, and I told him, I said, any question you guys have, email me, and I'm going to start answering them on, on Monday morning. 6th, 7th, and 8th grade. Here's a question I got. Pastor Ron, do you ever get discouraged because people don't listen to your biblical counseling? Wow. I'm like, I can preach on that. <laughs> yes, I do. And it seems like people come in, what, what, what would God have me do? And you tell them, they go, they, they go and they do the opposite. And then they have all kinds of fallout in their life. And then, Pastor, can we talk? I'm like, oh, you again? Well, what's up? Well, I, I'm in deeper now. Wait, wait, did you do what I said six months ago? No. Well, what should I do now? Okay, look, there's grace, there's forgiveness, but here's what God says to do. And they go out and do the opposite. You get to the point where you're like, what am I doing? And then I got to remind myself, you know, God, you're drawing people. You're going to build your church. And if you say the gates of hell are not going to snuff out your church, I'm going to keep working for your church. See, see, that's the practical outworking of it. And I'm not going to look at the fruit. I'm going to look at the promise that Jesus said. I'm going to keep building my church. Notice what he says in Acts 2. And they devoted themselves. Now we're getting a little glimpse into the early church. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship. Wow, look at that. See how important fellowship was important from day one of the church starting. 
right? We tend to think, oh, preaching, uh, uh, the, the word, uh, church is about the preaching of God's word. Absolutely. Do we put the same emphasis on fellowship? I don't see him giving a dichotomy here. He's, he's saying, this is, this is what should be happening. Notice that they were devoted. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, the agape meal, the Lord's table, and the prayers. There's the elements of a church right there. There it is. Now, but we need to do something to keep our people connected. We got we to gotta people, want people to be connected. Okay, I got an idea. Preach the word, fellowship, and pray. <laughs> like, it's, it's not complicated. But again, we, so many churches want to do so many bells and whistles. How, how can we make it more, more what, entertaining? Let's, let's stick with the basics of what God said. Look at the results of this in, in 43. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. Oh, that hope would have this type of unity. You talk about this is unity right here. Oh, that we would not have all of these lives that are so individualistic and nobody knows anything about anybody. But that they would be more connected. And I get it. That means you're going to have to be vulnerable. I get it. But God knew that. And yet he still designed this to be his church. Notice Acts 2 as it continues, 45. And they were selling their possessions and belongings, and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Do you realize this is coming out of the formation of the church? This is God's people doing this. I mean, think about what, what would cause you to sell all your possessions and just drop it at the side. Hey, whatever people need, go ahead. There's persecution going on. And it's like, we are so in love with Jesus. You are my brother in the Lord. You're my sister in the Lord. Whatever we got to do, we one family. Here's all of our stuff, whatever. Do we have that attitude? I wonder what would happen if our economy crashed and we go into another Great Depression. How many of the sheep would be like, no problem. I'm going to liquidate my stuff. Look, here's, I got this, I got this. Let's put it all in one of the storage rooms over in Eagle. Maybe that's why you got Eagle Storage. Because you're all going to bring all your stuff in Eagle Storage. And as each believer has need, we'll siphon it out. We'll siphon it out. I can see some of us. Um, yeah, I don't feel God moving my heart that way. <laughs> I'm not giving up my stuff. We love our stuff. We love our stuff. Now, nothing wrong with having stuff. Nothing wrong with having stuff. Let me tell you when stuff becomes a problem, when it becomes an idol. When I must have my stuff rather than I enjoy my stuff. But if I, if I, if I, like I got to have it, ooh, really? Like take that and Jaws comes out? The point is, look at the unity that they had. Day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. 
They received their food with glad and generous hearts. Wow. Again, this is a different cultural context. I get that. I'm not advocating we sell our stuff. But look at the spirit in which these believers gathered because they were so unified around the person of Christ and what Jesus had done. They saw literally the fellow believers as their family. We'll talk about that later. Do we consider us a family? Like we are the family of God. You know you could have a, a, a closer bond relationship with a true believer than your own biological family? Because of the spirit of God in you, <laughs> unites your hearts together. This is the thing that, that is so fascinating, that when God saves a person and the Holy Spirit comes on the inside, there is a bond that you have with another believer, and you don't even know that believer. I experienced that for the first time when I went over to China. A different culture, a different language. The only bridge that I had into these people and understanding them was my Chinese interpreter. And yet, within an hour, I felt like I know them. How do you explain that? And we're fellowshipping, and we're laughing together. It took a long time to tell a joke, because we got an interpreter. But I just, when I left to come back home, I felt a sadness. I'm a Miss Luther. I'm a Miss Canaan. I'm a Miss Moses. That was his name. They named him Moses. He was the old, oldest Chinese pastor, so they... They named the most. That was funny. <laughs> but I miss those guys. And it's like I'm, I'm on the plane going back home. And it's funny because coming over to China, I was fearful that the plane would go down. I don't like flying. Going back for 14 hours in the air, I'm just thinking about all the people. And my heart is like sad. Like I'm, I'm missing them. Not only am I missing them because the spirit of God, right, there was a bond there. But I know the persecution that they're under. I'm like, wow, like, how do you explain that humanly? That's the spirit of God in the people of God. That's why we're going to see later on, he calls us a family. Are we acting like it? Are we acting like a family? Are we loving each other like a family? Notice. They received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number. Who added to their number? The Lord. See? This is, this is in fulfillment of Matthew. I will build my church. And even through this first century culture where you see the persecution and narrow, crazy narrow killing people. Later on, we're going to see Saul having Christians murdered. What keeps happening? He keeps building his church, building his church. Jesus said, the gates of hell are not going to prevail. Now, he didn't say that the gates of hell would not try. But they just won't prevail. They won't be successful. But they're trying. They're trying right now in our culture. But this is nothing new. They were trying in the first century culture. Can you imagine believers being tarred and lit on fire in the gardens of Nero? Can you imagine believers being 
covered with animal skin and ushered into the Colosseum so they could all watch lions rip them apart? You want to talk about the gates of hell? And what happened? The church kept growing. (laughs) The power of the gospel. And God's going to continue to do it even in our time. The Lord added daily. The early church, and we'll get ready to wrap up. The early church gathered in specific communities. And th- this is vital. This is important. Remember, we're looking at God's design, okay? It's not that, that all these people are getting saved, right? All these people are getting saved, and they have unity. And they, hey, here's all of our stuff. Let's give it out as we need. And everybody just went to their separate places. No, 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 no. When it came time to worship, they came together. They came together. Listen, let me just get right to to a practical real quick. The idea of virtual church is unbiblical. There it is, I said it. There is no virtual church. That does not exist in Scripture. Well, but they didn't have the technology back then. If they had the technology back then, then it probably would be a virtual church. No, you don't understand the essence of the gathering. And, and this is where, unfortunately, a lot of people are falling into it. Hey, where do you fellowship? Oh, I fellowship online. Oh, okay. Oh, my pastor's really good. Oh, he's your pastor. Why do you call him your pastor? Oh, because I, 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 I fellowship online. I, I, I look at the service. But why are you calling him your pastor? Because Pastor Ron, that's who I listen to. Do you know what the biblical role of a shepherd is? Do you see where theology is important? Do you see where theology is important? You say, well, no, he, he's my pastor. Does he know you? No, Pastor Ron, I, millions of people like watching his. No, he doesn't know me. Then he's not your pastor, biblically. Do you understand? Theology is important for the practice that you do. And so many people are so comfortable with that. I, I watch him, and, but, but he's really good. And I get, I'm not saying that he's not preaching. I'm not saying that he's not good. But he's preaching at a congregation that you're tuning in on. That is not a substitute for you not being there and having a shepherd who is actually shepherding you, who knows you. Notice, notice. Paul called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and our brother Sosthenes to the church of God that is in where? That's a location. That's a place. That's not a virtual reality. Right? They gathered. To those sanctified in Christ Jesus called to be saints. What's the next word? Together. With all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Let's look at a couple of these real quick. Look at the next one. First Thessalonians, Paul, Sylvanus, and Timothy to the what? Church of the Thessalonians. In God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. Look at the next one, Romans 16. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risk their necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but all the, what? Churches of the Gentiles give thanks as well. 
Greet also the what? Church in their house. Greet my beloved. You get the idea. The church is a gathering in a specific location. You cannot do the things that we'll learn down the road, the things that God requires of his sheep. You cannot do that if you're not part of a local body. So throw all of that out. When we get to the whole gifts, this dear brother, and again, this brother knows the Lord. I'm not judging his salvation. But I said, listen, bro, your church is on the Internet. Tell me how you get to use your gifts in 1 Corinthians 12 and Ephesians and Romans. How do you get to use your gift that God gave you to build up the fellow believer? And then that song starts playing. He just looked at me. I'm like, I'm just asking the I'm not, I'm just asking the question. And he was like, I mean, I, you know, I, I, I can treat other believers with kindness, and if God's given me a gift of teaching, I can teach other believers. You're not answering my question. How do you get to use it within the body of believers? Here's the answer: you can't, because you're not connected to a body. It's not complicated. These were gatherings of bodies of believers in specific locations for specific reasons. We'll end with this. There are so many images in scripture of the church, so many different images. And again, it's just why so many images? The family, the bride, the building. The, 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 the field, the temple. God is like, why are you hitting us with all these images? You think the church is important to God? And he's hitting it from all of these different metaphors to emphasize this is my design and this is the way it ought to be. Let's just look at this. We'll end with this verse here. 1 Timothy 5, 1-3. Do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father. This is Paul speaking to Timothy, giving him instruction for the church that he pastors. Younger men as brothers. You see the familial language? Older women as mothers. Do you see the familial language? These, these, these men... These younger men, these, these women, these are not biological mothers or fathers. These are spiritual fathers and mothers. Younger win, women as sisters in all purity. Notice he had to add that in. When I counsel young men who are dating, and one of the questions I asked them, I said, are, are you walking in purity? Most of the time, I just, I don't get an answer. Pastor Ron, things are so hard. I said, oh, hold on, hold on. <laughs> I said, you're a believer. God commands you to walk in purity. Is it hard? Is it challenging? Absolutely. We live in a sexualized culture. But I said, you're a believer, and you have a fiance now, and she's a believer. And I looked at him and I said, do you know how God says you ought to be treating her? And I took him to this verse. 
You ought to be treating your fiance. I understand you're getting married in a year. Okay. <laughs> Young people, don't, don't fall into that trap. Well, we get married anyway. Well, get married then. <laughs> right? And if you can't wait, go get married. It's better to marry than to burn. The idea of burn and lust. Right? But I said, this fiance of yours, right now in God's eyes, she's not your fiance. She's not your fiance. She's your sister. He said, oh, Pastor Ron, don't say that. I said, what's that look for? What's that look for? And I think that said it all, didn't it? He says, the younger women as sisters in all purity, honor widows who are truly widows. And then he goes on to explain a true widow. My point is this, as we wrap up. We're going to start looking at metaphors, these pictures that God uses. And he's not just giving us pictures for the sake of pictures. Metaphors point to a truth. And if we are indeed family, I should be loving you, caring for you. Why? Because you are family. With all of your idiosyncrasies, with all of your temperaments, with all of the stuff that I might not like about you, and the stuff you may not like about me. One guy said one time in a church back in, when we were at Faith, uh, uh, Brother Ron, I appreciate your message, but um, you say amen far too much. I kid you not. That's what he said. My, our first Sunday at Faith, my first sermon, 2003, he said, you, you say amen entirely too much. And I'm like, Lord, you brought me to this group of people? That's all he got out of everything I said? And he said, and you got to understand, like, when you say amen, amen, you don't say amen to get people to agree with you. Amen is from the Hebrew word, which means so be it, let it be. And he went on a whole dissertation. And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, mm-hmm. And when he, I said, oh, I said no, I appreciate, I, I appreciate that um, encouragement, brother. And he was like, yeah, I said, all right, amen. And I walked away. <laughs> a little bit of flesh was in there. A little bit of flesh was in there. But we're family. And, and I had to learn how to get along with that brother who almost everything I said that was wrong English-wise, he corrected me. I kid you not. He was an English professor for over 30 years. If you're up front preaching and you're leading music, uh, I I, I never get it. One time I came down, and I promise we'll close. His dear wife came with a little three-by-five card. I said, oh, boy. And I got used to it. I would finish. I would preach. Okay, amen. And I would walk right down, walk right over to him. Because I know he got something for me. It just became normal. And this time his wife said, oh, honey, I'll, I'll talk. So, so uh, uh, Pastor Ron, God bless you. Thank you so much for your message. I'm like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And she said, I just want to show you a couple things. Uh, there's a couple ways you could say this. Now, you, you said Christ died for me. Now, actually, you could say Christ died for us, or you could say Christ died for you and me, or you could say Christ died for us. I kid you not. And I'm standing there, and I begin to realize This is my family. This is my family. He is my family. He is my family. And what does God say? Love one another as I have loved you. You're impatient with him, Ron? You're getting tired of him criticizing you? Well, let me talk about the sin I died for for you. And now because I love you, I mandate that you love him. 
And only God's people can do that. Because it takes the spirit of God. Because I wanted to tell him where he could go and pray. It's only the spirit of God that can cause you to love somebody like that. Every Sunday, every Sunday. And I remember the day when he finally retired from playing the organ and he left the church and his health failed and he ended up going, moving back into like a home. I said, I need to go visit him. I need not to be like, yes. And the Holy Spirit convicted. You need to go visit him. He's still your family. And I found out where he was in Doylestown. It had been like four or five years now. He had left the church. And I found his place in Doylestown. Knocked on the door. His wife opened the door. Pastor, hey, she called his name. Guess who's here? Come on in. Oh, he was so frail. He was already in his 70s when I came to the church. So now he's probably in his mid-80s. And there he's sitting there, very frail. And I walked in. I said, hey, how you doing, man? And he looked up at me, and he just smiled. And he was like, how are you? I said, I'm doing good. I said, I'm still saying amen. <laughs> and he just laughed. He said, oh, that's all right. <laughs> we ought to love one another like that. We are God's church, folks. And this world needs to see what it means to be children of God. Especially now in this dark world. They need to see a group of ragtag people with all different personalities, all different ethnic groups, all different economic backgrounds, loving each other. Almost like they're related and they're family. Father, thank you for the church. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that binds our hearts together in love. Oh, God, if we could just get a glimpse of what Christ did on that cross, it would propel us to love one another more deeply, more dearly, to get out of our own individualistic mindset. Oh, God, and to realize you've called us to love one another. Father, help hope to be the church that you desire for it to be. I pray for all of these sheep that are here. I pray for Emmanuel, myself. Father, we want to be and do what you called us to be, and we want to do what you called us to do. At the end of the day, oh, Father, we will give an account to you for our stewardship. So God, work these truths in all of our hearts so that truly, this gathering, this local gathering, would bring pleasure to your heart as we endeavor to do church as you designed it. So we thank you. We bless your name. In Christ's name, amen.